0: The Batmobile. Let's go. Atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. Roger,
1: ready to move out. (laughs) Holy
0: smokes, Batman. It's Gaggle as Geeks with Uh, Blake Howard and Sophie Live.
1: Geese are back.
0: Oh, And also, thank God that our promo intro there tells us the names because we didn't apparently do it last week. So. I know. So who
1: the hell are we? Yeah. We came, back, <laughs> came
0: back from the break and had no freaking idea what we were doing.
1: Nope. So, but the here people we are. who have no idea what they're doing are Blake Howard. Hello. And I'm Sophie Lye. This is Gaggle of Geeks from 2SER, your weekly geekly dose on the
0: podcast. This is a geek overload. You're going to get smashed in the face with geekery on this podcast right now.
1: And it's probably going to get worse this week, because it was pretty much every geek's like wet dream.
0: Mm. It was a big week for geek. Avengers, Infinity War came out. 19 films. A decade.
1: God, can't believe it's been that long. A decade.
0: 2008, Iron Man came out, and so did The Incredible Hulk. Wow. That everyone forgets. No one just talks about no
1: one talks I about actually really enjoyed that. I thought I, Norton did a great job.
0: And I'm a big Banner Man. I'm on the island of Banner over here, really enjoying <laughs> that. But... Let's have a listen to the Infinity War trailer and then let's, Soph and I, break it down because we were there in the morning with all the fans in a very interesting and awesome cinematic experience. Have a listen.
1: Avengers. I hope they remember you. No! I do hope those that survive. Remember...
0: <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus on a jet ski. Ladies and gentlemen, Avengers Infinity War, it's coming out this week. Um
1: coming it came out It came
0: out and look just just in the hopes that you're around the world potentially at the time you're listening hopefully it is out i know that um australia just by virtue of where we are in the world we're lucky enough to get it first kind of in a big wide release and uh, internationally it is now well and truly out so people have seen it it is directed by the russo brothers it is written by chris marcus and steve mcfeely who basically that quartet have been working together since Winter Soldier. Mm. So, uh, uh, and they kind of are like the core journeymen of Marvel now, who sort of carried on the tone set by Whedon and Avengers and mm. taken a little bit more of that darkness, um, yeah. that dark, hard edge from Captain America and Winter Soldier, and, and, and just been through. They did uh, uh, Captain America Civil War, and now they're in charge of this behemoth, bringing it together.
1: And a behemoth it is. Yeah,
0: it's 19 films, guys. Like, from 2000, you know, from 2008, Iron Man comes out. They're building towards an Avengers initiative. Avengers comes out, and we get introduced in a cutscene to this big purple bloke who w- is very interested in courting death, meaning that Earth have Avengers, and he would like to have a taste at, and you know, he wa- he wants a shot at the title. His name is Thanos, and in this movie, he is portrayed in motion capture performance by the amazing Josh Brolin. The story kicks off exactly where Thor Ragnarok ends. A massive ship is sitting in front of all of the survivors of Asgard. We think that there is some kind of hope for them at the end of that movie, and we very quickly realize at the beginning of this movie, it is not. (laughs) Right from the outset, Thanos and his crew are kicking ass, taking names and casting Thor into space to be found by the Guardians of the Galaxy and very quickly heading to Earth to capture up two Infinity Stones that are on there, the Time Stone with Doctor Strange and the Mind Stone with the lovely Vision um, played by Paul Bettany.
1: Paul Bettany playing Paul Bettany. Paul <laughs> Bettany. we
0: we'll are get to see Paul Bettany um, a little bit more than we have in makeup in the, in the past. Um, look, it's a behemoth, and there's a couple of criticisms I just want to take right up front. There's a few things you could have said about this movie without seeing it. Number one, oh, my God, Marvel, these team-up movies, there's so many characters. My favorite characters don't get enough time with each other. Number two, I don't really like how the Russo brothers direct action in either Civil War or perhaps Captain America, Winter Soldier. I think the action's probably better in Winter Soldier as far as my conception of it. You could have Definitely the, better in Winter Soldier. Definitely <laughs> better in Winter Soldier. You could have had these criticisms going in. And also it's a big epic movie and absolutely looking at this movie in isolation is almost impossible because you've got, you know, 18 movies worth of context building up to this thing. So if you wanted to go in there and easily pick it apart for a couple of things on the, on those grounds, you'd, you'd kind of be right. So bear with me. You'd be right. Mm. But also at the same time, it's exceptionally ambitious. Marvel have taken this sort of, cinematic episode as if it's like a massive television season arc and they've gone from go to woe and the, the instant thing I would say is anyone, who, if you've ever watched a TV series, now let's just use one that I'm watching right now Friday Night Lights, the amazing Friday Night Lights, and you hate it by episode 11 if you're still watching it at episode 19, you're an idiot Okay, <laughs> so there's my, there's my thing if you don't like it and it's not your thing You may not like it. Obviously critics are gonna watch it, it's a it's one of the biggest movies of the year, they're gonna watch it, they're gonna have their opinions, and if they don't like a couple of fundamentals, the interconnectedness, the sort of cinematic, episodic uh drive of it, the sort of structure of the Marvel universe, Easter eggs and the like, etc, you're gonna know you're not gonna like this right from the outset. The things that I do like about this movie, it is ballsy in a way that I was completely shocked by. Soph and I were sitting side by side. It's not often that we get to. It was really no, a blast. It was
1: really nice being able to like <laughs> sit in the movie with you and just like gasp at the same time. And then we just look over like, <laughs> Oh, <my God." laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Uh it
0: So you know, the the key thrust of the story, and what's amazing is. You know where it starts, but really this is a story about Thanos. The movie is about establishing the biggest, baddest character in this universe, and it's trying to give him something meaty and meaningful to make him live up to the hype of, you know, essentially 10 movies building up to this point, 20, almost 20 movies. And so... Josh Brolin does a brilliant job, I think, of portraying Thanos, and I think Thanos' ethos and and the pathos that's involved in that is really excellent, and there's some really good drive in that story. The other major drive in the story is Thor. So Thor being cast out from Asgard, being this super charming, hilarious performer in this one, actually gets the biggest and toughest dramatic arc and the biggest responsibility. And I think finally, Mm -hmm. instead of just being the blonde-haired joke, is like... The main leading badass, awesome dude in this in this flick, and 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 the story that sort of goes around Thor is phenomenal. The introduction to the Guardians into the Avengers universe, um, Thor heading off um, into space to sort of see if he can find a weapon that is uh, you know up to the task of taking down Thanos, and also then some really amazing stories around Thanos's um, uh, order who are attempting to get uh, get their hands on the stones for him and and their encounters, mm. um, particularly with Captain. America's crew that make this this flick really shine. Um, uh, it is impossible to not, uh, you know, it's impossible to do a deep dive analysis on this and we might have to do it as a special episode later to like fully go spoilerific. I'm not going to spoil it.
1: We're not going to spoil it because we know it's opening weekend. So many of you are holding on to your weekends to see this. Yeah. So we want everyone to enjoy it and then we can have that open discussion once, once everyone's, everyone's
0: seen it. And all I'll say is I was deep. I was really impressed. I was significantly impressed with what they did. I was flabbergasted and shocked at where they went. I thought the running time did have its hiccups, there were some bits that probably weren't as strong as others, and I think also, as being a fan of these movies, that lent largely into, do I like this character and how they've been used in the universe, one of them mm. particularly, Doctor Strange, you know, I love Scott Derrickson, who's the director of Doctor Strange, I also love C. Robert Cargill, who wrote that movie, and those guys wrote it together, and I like the writing in that movie, I like the inventiveness, but I really just don't give a flying F about Benedict Cumbersnatch, whatever his name is, and I just don't care, so there's certain things that you're going to ride and die with With different characters and enjoying their their role in it. But I think Chris Hemsworth knocked this out of the park. I think Downey Jr. knocked it out of the park. I think Chris Evans, it is unfathomable how beloved he is. Like, I cheered, like, Sophie and I cheered when we saw his shadow.
1: You clapped and I looked at you going, (laughs) Don't be that person who claps in a cinema.
0: (laughs) I am that person. I am that person. And, And so I was so happy to see that. You're obviously happy to see Wakanda. Um, this movie is shocking and surprising and epic, and it is incredible. I had a, a really fun time, and I was deeply impressed with it. And it's, it's actually incomparable to a single character movie, because that's not what this is. Um, it, it, it's not comparing an apple for an apple to say, oh, it's the best, you know, it's better than Iron Man 3, because that's an Iron Man story. Um, if it connects, because it is one part of a duo, if it connects well with its with its kin with its uh, its its twin it could be one of the most incredible comic book adaptations of all time and so far for me it was deeply shocking and satisfying and enjoyable and i laughed and i gasped and i and i rolled a tear and i think that that's a, it, it was it was a very impressive and and formidable film
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean what can i add to that um Without I, spoiling. Without <laughs> spoiling. Well, I loved how ambitious it was because, as you mentioned, this is twenty like twenty films, ten years worth of films that they're kind of going back on, featuring all of those characters that you've either grown to love, or hate, or don't care about, or
0: just yeah indifference.
1: <laughs> but they're all there, and it's like, how do you balance such a ginormous cast? Give them equal time to tell each part of the story while still centered around this big purple dude yeah <laughs> in this the big mid- who also, I was like, oh, my God, they actually CGI'd him, right, this big purple dude, because they did not do that with Oscar Isaac no, in no,
0: Apocalypse. No, Apocalypse suffered, suffered. But Josh Brolin, yeah. you know, Josh Brolin is a seriously good character actor mm. and a leading man and he's he got is. the look and and uh, he's so funny watching him in the press tours interact because, like, he does have a presence about him that, like, none of these guys have. It's just mm. really interesting. But, yeah, I, I, was, I was impressed with his performances, Thanos, yeah. both, like, physical performance and emotional performance.
1: But just seeing, like, you know, I was like, oh, there's a bit of Guardians, a bit of Avengers, a bit of... Everyone had their own adventure, but it all kind of accumulated into this one film that somehow just worked perfectly. And there was, like, moments of levity, and then there was moments where you just, like, I did not expect to see that. Because also, it wasn't so formulaic in the sense that, you know, oh, everything's going to be right and dandy. You do You never get that sense in this film. Yeah, I
0: think... Without going into detail, it drastically departs from anything I expected it to do. Mm. And there are often cliffhangers. And, you know, one of the things I can, I won't compare it to this, but I would just say there's kind of a right way and a wrong way to do this big bombastic end to this arc. And we've seen it a couple of times, basically in episodic novels, with like Harry Potter, which was broken up in the, was broken up in the final film yeah, um, for The Deathly Hallows into two really distinct parts. And the the first half was the deep and, uh, and sort of the, the turmoil, both inner and external, and, and very dramatic. And it ended on a, a very deep... And and sort of you know it ended on Dobby's death and that was such a significant moment. And then the fo- the second film moves along at a pace; and it's unbelievable. If you watch them together, they work perfectly in tandem with one another. Mm. And what's really devastating was like the Hunger Games, for example, oh. which, where the first the first part of Mockingjay is outstanding. It has it's so emotional and it just hits on such a great level. And there's character and there's meaning and there's climax and it's all building up and. There's performative tension between people. It's amazing. Yeah. But the second one is garbage. It is such a, a phenomenal letdown. Yeah. And, and it drags out so badly that you can't think of Mockingjay Part 1 in isolation to Part 2. Is my only concern for the overarching Avengers 4 Part 2 or whatever the hell this is. Yeah. Because it's Avengers like 3 and 4 were basically one movie arc. But all I'll say is I could not have imagined that they would go there where they would go uh, to to the lengths that they did in the end of this movie, so much so that I was deeply impressed. Because if anything has been annoying about the Marvel movies, it is when you feel like they are playing it safe for to to, to maintain their legacy or to maintain their control of this whole brand. And any time they've departed from that, Panther, Winter Soldier, yep. Thor, Ragnarok, yep. like any time they've gone off. The Reservation, um, they've shone... Guardians, they've shone so bright... Guardians 1, that is. They've shone so (laughs) brightly that uh, that's where they've really hit their heights. And even Iron Man 1. Iron Man 1 is like... Ballsy, right? Ballsy. Completely subverts the whole superhero genre. Considering
1: we've had X-Men for a while before then as well and the Blades and all of those and suddenly in comes Iron Man, Mm -hmm. smashes Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, so, I mean, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe's perspective, um, where they have the balls to to go further than we think they're going to go and they went, like, they crushed it in this movie.
1: I just hope it's not a mocking J.C. Trey, because I was thinking that just before you said that and I was like... (laughs) You beat me to it. <laughs> you beat me to it. But it's it's always a case where it's like, it's not a holistic movie in a no. way. and that is the, And they make it into two separate movies that are just so disjointed.
0: Outside, without context, these movies make no sense. And absolutely, that is a criticism. If
1: you are to walk into this movie and you haven't seen a couple of movies, that was my brother. He came home <laughs> seeing it and yelled at me. He's like, You told me, I, you didn't tell me I needed to watch this, this, and this. And I'm like, I thought you'd caught up. <laughs> I thought you caught up.
0: I <laughs> thought you understood what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that. But you know what? Mm. In a binge society that we're in, and I think, at least with the pacing, I don't, I can't imagine what it would be like to do these marathons I'm seeing online at the moment with everyone going. But all I'll say is Sophie and I, <laughs> Sophie and I sat together, yeah, geared up at ten a.m. with everyone else. We bought our tickets. We were there. We watched it first session of the day in Oz, basically one of the first sessions around the country, one of the first in the world, mm-hmm. and we walked out Dying to talk to you guys about it because um, we were just so deeply impressed with the ambition. And you know what, Marvel's crossed a bear with all of these movies, especially in you know series of even individual characters that are in amongst this overarching series. Is they've got to deliver some consistency over sequels if they want people to really like say that it's amazing because they can't really exist in a vacuum anymore. They can't just mm. be single films. They've got they're in they're in a they're in a specific continuity in a context and and that's where i think a lot of the large criticisms and they're fair calm down everyone they're fair if you don't like cinema like as episodic things yeah. you're not going to like this when you walk in the door
1: and the thing is when marvels first started doing that they were like you know they people hadn't seen it before in a cinematic no. context so if back when it first started 10 years ago people were like what are they doing this is actually really incredible trying to l- link all these very unique stories together Ten years on, we're like, we're a bit tired of it now. And it's like, it's fair because it's it's still only them that's doing it very well. Yes. But it's also being shoved down your throats slightly. (laughs) And
0: it's also okay... And, and I think this is the other thing. People talk about the Marvel brand and that, that it's branding and it's, it's consumerist. But this has been happening on the page forever. Mm. The reason to have crossovers and the reason to have crossovers in television and the reason to have crossovers in novels and the reason to have crossovers in comic books and it's been happening forever is... <laughs> since so <that> the 50s. <laughs> it, since the 50s is for people to actually cross-pollinate and not just read in their lane. It's to get to know other characters and be curious to explore. So... I don't begrudge Marvel for ever having these team-up movies to it. And, and I also don't begrudge people if you go and see this and it's not your favorite Marvel movie and you don't think it's amazing because you're more of a Captain America person or you're more of a I love Black Panther and I, that's where I want the universe to go or I love Thor Ragnarok where Taika Waititi took it in. I don't begrudge you. I think I think it's totally natural to lean towards a character or a story arc or a filmmaker or whatever. Um, but, yeah.
1: Yeah. My only issue was... Like coming off the back of Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, I really wanted to like see more of them in a way yeah, it's in tough. the film. It's tough. But of course, they had to balance out with everything else that's happening in that universe. And I'm like, but I really liked them in their own solos, and I want to see more of them. Yeah,
0: and and look, Thor—the second biggest part in this movie is Thor, mm, for sure. And I was stoked for Thor because. Iron Man is, you know, Iron Man and Cap have dominated the Avengers, the Avengers storyline so far. Oh. And so it was freaking awesome to see.
1: Especially the guy who didn't even make it into the second Avengers yeah. film. Yeah. So, like, yeah,
0: really, really good.
1: Yay! <laughs> it's out!
0: It's here. Like, I, I have no other answers.
1: Except, yeah, so the next week, we're going to keep it with spoiler freeze because hashtag Thanos demands your silence. Thanos
0: demands our silence, and we will adhere to that. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe in like a month, we'll just throw up a bonus. So and I will sit and shoot the breeze about all the
1: spoilers. <laughs> Everything. Everything. Because I'm actually seeing it again tonight. Excellent. So I'm going to see it again.
0: i am got to take my lady along. So on. maybe
1: we'll do like, we'll probably do like another, a third screening of it. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Shoot the breeze that way. But... um. Massive week, Blake. I mean, we won't talk about here because there's just so much going on, but, like, you know, Westworld, as we mentioned, come, came out this week. Oh, yes. New Handmaid's Tale also came out. Handmaid's
0: Tale has come out and has made people start to call Crisis lines at the end oh of
1: their episodes. I mean, not that people weren't calling it <laughs> in the first season. Um, but the biggest thing that also came out this week was a little trailer, a little indie flick. <laughs> little, little, yeah. Starring a very little indie action star <laughs> yeah the, the
0: other marvel universe venom <laughs> we're gonna play a little bit of the venom trailer now have a listen you finished mr brock is that a threat you had to learn how to hide in plain sight
1: i'm pretty good at it but you you suck whoever you are i work at the life foundation and i need your help we found something we call them symbiotes Carlton Drake believes that the union between human and symbiote is the key to our evolution.
0: I'm feeling really sick. I'm hearing a voice.
1: You're not real. You were just in my head.
0: I'm going to need Mr. Drake's property back. I don't know. Why would we do that? If you're going to stay, you will only hurt bad people. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? Are you willing to sacrifice?
1: The one thing you hold most dear, you should be extremely afraid. What the hell are you? We are Venom. <laughs> uh, that kind of brings me joy, just because. Like you mentioned to me earlier this week, Blake, that it's very true. Like, you remind you of Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah, like, big time. I was like, oh, it's so 2000s. I'm just getting all this nostalgia <laughs> It's all those action scenes.
0: Yeah, like, it's, it's very Ang Lee's Hulk. I think... Mm. People sleep on that movie so bad because it didn't have enough Hulk in it, but what you didn't realize is that you don't want a whole movie with Hulk. Like you No, don't...
1: and that's the way they've been playing it with Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. Yeah, you, so want that, you want more Mark Ruffalo. You want more
0: Mark Ruffalo. You want the yeah. balance, right? So I think the, the people were really impatient with that movie. They didn't like it. There, were, there was a Hulk poodle. There was a problem. Nick <laughs> Nolte was electricity. It gets difficult at the end. But I think the core tragedy, like Ang Lee played it, like I want to make a core... I want to make a dark tragedy that turns something into a rage monster. Like, I really mm. want to figure that out. And that was so awesome. And that's exactly what I see here. I just see this, like, uh, you know, this thing being put upon this character. And, you know, Tom Hardy's incredible, uh, he's an incredible performer. He's got such dynamic range. And so he's, he's in there playing like a, a reporter, Eddie Brock, um, who's getting involved with this stuff. The hottest and buffest reporter. Ever, let's just yeah, stop.
1: I work in New and... No, no, no one no, looks like no that because one. no one got time to go out to the gym and work out like that. No, HGH. Um, um but yeah. <laughs> yeah, big difference from Topher Grace's version in Spider-Man Three. Yeah, really, <laughs> t-
0: really, really, yeah. And and so when you see, you know, and the big thing is that you see a, a glimpse of what Venom looks like. It looks fantastic. But okay, we'll see how it goes. It's really, it's really interesting because again. Venom as a villain is a really, you know, an Eddie Brock, there's a lot of great comics that you characterize him, but you don't have to pay any money to draw, except for the brilliant cost of an artist. Yeah. Um to draw the incredible symbiote and its powers. It's such a, like, now technology sort of catching up where it can look pretty seamless and look pretty cool. There seems to be lots of cool practical effects here. But, yeah, it's still really tough, the suit, like, the actual body, the mutation, the Mm. texture. It's really fascinating. They need to get those guys from Planet of the Apes on this, Mm. like, hard. because Can you imagine? Now, this is what has also happened this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you watch that trailer and you see bits and bobs. Like coming out of Tom Hardy, would you call them tentacles when he's kind of shooting them out?
0: Sure. Let's call them tentacles. Let's
1: call them tentacles because all the people and all the thirsty peeps on Tumblr <laughs> are really loving it. They're loving his tongue. They're loving all the sticky bits coming out in that Venom trailer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Blake just looked at me and just like,
0: <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple of things that happened here. One was some creepy, and this is what's, this is what's I don't bad. I think
1: it's creepy. I think they all just found a safe space where they all can share their similar thoughts and they found like, oh my God, there's a community who also find Venom very, very sexy. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and,
0: and also there were so many memes of like, because right at the end Venom sort of sticks his tongue out in that trailer, mm. there were so many tongue memes. It was like, oh, my God, I, I shudder to even like mention them. I like, saw some weird and hilarious ones on Twitter of people just being perverts, like when she bends over wrapped in a towel, and then there's the picture of the tongue meme at the end, and it's just like, oh, my God. So, yeah, the moral of the story is Tom Hardy can't do anything without Tumblr responding hard, no. hard,
1: oh, so hard, hard in the
0: paint for Tom Hardy on Tumblr. Also, if you're a massive monster and one of your, like, you know, key things is, like, a tongue coming out.
1: I mean, I'm just going to read one from Tumblr, and it's like, if y'all think I wouldn't l- let Venom eat me like a ham sandwich, then you are sorely mistaken. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, It's just... They're just thirsty for his tongue.
0: <laughs> that That is... um.
1: That's... It is It is Tom Hardy, and one of my friends, she's like, oh, I didn't have much interest in it until I saw this on Tumblr, and I'm like, oh, yeah, and have you seen him, you know, doing his Bane voice to his dog <laughs> into his jockey strap? And she's like, what? <laughs> Had to replay that. She's like, I am so much more interested now. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, Tom Hardy just brings out this certain charm that just makes everyone want to see what he's doing, regardless of whether
0: Well yeah. So there's Goodwill. two there's two yeah. things there. One my wife often says this. I walk up to her when she's in the middle of something in the house. You know, we're parents. We have things to do. And I interrupt her with my phone and a, and a, and a clip is playing. Might be a trailer to something I think is awesome. Want to show her. And I understand the time she says, why, why are you showing me this? I don't need to know about this run this second. And it was that, the Tom Hardy thing. She's like, I don't need to. Look. And I go, trust me, watch the trailer. So I held out the trailer. She watched it. And at the end of the trailer, I was like, looks what do you think? Looks all right. Yeah. And she goes, I just... Why does he have to have the suit? Can't it just be a Tom Hardy movie? (laughs) And I have to agree. I'm like, yeah, why couldn't it? She's like, why does he have to have masks and suits and stupid makeup? Why can't it just be...
1: Just more Tom Hardy. More Tom Hardy. Just Tom Hardy being Tom Hardy. Tom
0: Hardy being beautiful. It's like that terrible movie. What's that terrible movie that's got Chris Pine, it's got Tom Hardy, it's got Reese Witherspoon. It's like...
1: They were the two spies... That were vying for her affection.
0: <laughs> yes. It's called This Means War.
1: This Means War. What a rom-com that was.
0: 2012. He's so beautiful. That movie is
1: terrible.
0: Uh, no, it's actually not that terrible. It's not that bad.
1: Look, it is it is what it is, a rom-com. It's <laughs> and... directed
0: by McGee. There's a first problem. <laughs> first problem.
1: Uh has it been a week where we haven't riffed on McGee?
0: I don't know, but I don't want to know about a show that doesn't riff on McGee. When you can, you need to riff on McGee every week. But yeah, I um, yeah, I just you know, it's it's just funny. It's just <laughs> funny. It's so it's like so perverse, and the memes are so strong, and that venom tongue is just all over Tumblr. It's so weird
1: because when you watch it, like you know, it's that the the slow crawl when it just comes over his head and then tongue
0: (laughs) you should have seen the spirit fingers of Soph demonstrating the tongue if this is a video podcast we would have 10,000 more subscribers with that they would be on Tumblr Soph would be drawn on Tumblr it would be animated just
1: tongue Uh. alright amazing
0: amazing let's go to something that's not tongue let's go to some lady powers awesome news
1: the best news, yeah.
0: So, oh, so just a bit of context. Number one, there is a massive uh, exhibitor convention that's happening at the moment. It's called CinemaCon, and what exhibitors are are like people like Event Cinemas, are people like Hoyts, and you get you know, uh, and and there's also some media and stuff like that. There mm-hmm. there is an equivalent on the Gold Coast. There's an Australia Cinema Convention that happens you know once a year. Um, usually happens at Crown, and and what happens is. Basically, a year's worth of stuff, and now it's happening. It happens early in the states, but sometimes there's an Australian version that happens sort of Octoberish, um, where they show off all of the uh, distributors, like your Disney's and your Foxes and your Paramounts and all those, uh, and and many, many, many more. Show off what they're going to be releasing for the coming year and perhaps early into the next year. And so, out of that, you get a stack of trailers, a stack of announcements, a stack of casting things, a stack it's of footage.
1: Like the Comic Con, but for Regular films. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but for exhibitors only. So it basically is then these distributors saying, hey, when, you know get excited for these movies because we want you to show them on as many screens as possible, basically. Mm-hmm. So something like The Avengers has no problem. Something like Solo, no problem. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> um, but, uh, but smaller movies and other stuff or stuff that maybe they've got question marks on, they want to really show off to show that they're going to have a lot of interest because basically the more screens you show it on, the more sessions you have, the more people that can potentially go along to see it in your cinema, the more money you can make.
1: It's all about the buck making.
0: All about the buck making. But what's cool is, and we we're ha- we're not going to go into it too much in this podcast because right now it's in the thick of it. So news is just pouring yeah, out of there. Yeah, so
1: it's been going through this week, and I think we'll finish later this weekend. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. F- finish finish on the weekend. So I think we're done, and then we can go back and sort of debrief. Because what happens? They sometimes show, show snippets, show trailers, show stuff that's unreleased to the public, and then like a week later it drops. So we'll probably just wait till next week's mm. podcast because then we can actually deep dive into some of that stuff.
1: So the one that we are talking about is CinemaCon that's happening in Las Vegas. Yes. At Caesars Palace because they're classy like that. Oh, yes. Um, And so heaps of stuff has been coming out. So they had like a mini like premiere of Ocean's 8 bit. Yep. Um, You had some like pretty much some rushes of Aquaman yeah, Rushes of Ackerman, Ackerman went, out there. went out there. We had
0: a little Disney um, thing. So they did show some stuff with Ant-Man and the Wasp. But That was the only real thing that happened mm. had any Marvel footprint. Nothing else did. Yeah. Um, and then they have the, the, the big ones are Dumbo. They showed some footage of Dumbo. Yeah. They showed some Lion King footage. And they also then um, showed some footage of Aladdin. So there's all three of those yeah. live-action adaptions happening Respect, uh, you know, b- directed by Favreau, directed by Burton, directed by Guy Ritchie, respectively. So they showed some stuff, and there have been some like phone grabs of like what Dumbo looks like and stuff in the live yeah, action. Yeah, we'll document. just wait for the proper stuff. We'll wait drops. for the proper stuff.
1: Um, they did show the full film of Crazy Rich Asians.
0: Crazy Rich Asians, <laughs> so exciting. And the buzz is real.
1: Oh my gosh. the buzz You have is no real. idea. It's one of my favorite books of this all time. Is, this is your,
0: <laughs> this is your Black Panther soap. Oh, <laughs> a
1: <little bit. laughs> just a little bit. That's so cool. But just with crazy rich Asians, and just like, it looks
0: like a funny, stupid rom com.
1: It is, but like com- coming from someone who's read the book like four times, it's got like there's like all these nuances of Asian culture that it picks up so well, and I'm Great. just hoping it translates. Hope it translates to the, to the flick. to this flick because there are just so moments like. You just go, yeah, yeah that's my mum. No, Regardless <laughs> of whether she's rich or not, that's my mother. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. So we really for that. the
0: Paramount panel happened and some really freaking awesome news dropped.
1: So we've had three Star Trek films so far. Yes.
0: And the first one was incredible. JJ. <laughs> Second one, also JJ. Mm-hmm. Sucked. Let's just put it way. Is it, right it because...
1: Cumberbatch
0: was in uh, it. No, that was Pete Cumberbatch. It was. Uh, it just. It just. It was gimmicky, and it, it didn't. It. It tried really hard to be Wrath of Khan, um, and to bring that into the universe. And obviously, it was doing it in this new timeline, this new JJ timeline. But it just. It. It, it didn't need to do it. It like, it was something that they just should have had more patience on trying to execute, or. Directly remake it. They tried to over-engineer and hide and guys and do BS and do callbacks and reverse stuff. And it just it was a mess. Mm-hmm. And I think J.J. reflects on and he, all the things that he made a mistake on in that Star Trek film as far as remaking and you know rebooting a mm-hmm. franchise. He went and undid in Star Wars The Force <laughs> Awakens. So we, we at least got that.
1: Yeah. And then the last one was Beyond. And it was fun. It was different. Yeah, different.
0: It felt like a big episode. It rocked. Um, I had a great time. I don't mm. know. And, and and criminally, sort of, people just didn't see it. They didn't care. And it was marketed poorly. And, uh, you know, they played. No, play. they
1: were just like, oh, it's the add-on. Don't worry about it. And yeah. it's like, no, it is actually a really fun, fun. action
0: flick. Fun. So we've heard this week from the Paramount panel, which is awesome. That two new Star Trek films um, features are in play and and are, and are happening. The biggest news, though, is so previously we might have even talked about it on Gaggle that Chris Hemsworth plays Captain Kirk's father. He dies in the opening sequences of um, Star Trek. Great first two star minutes. <laughs> Great first two minutes. That, that there was going to be a was
1: star was in the making there.
0: <laughs> there was going to be a there was going to be a, a, a Star Trek that. Had Chris Hemsworth as a character and was dated at that time, um, with him as the you know was him as a captain or with him as uh, on the crew, and now that is one hundred percent happening as well as with our existing crew. So you know with Pine and with Zachary Quinto. But what is amazing news is that the first female director in the franchise's history for a film has now been appointed. S. J. Clarkson. Now, if you don't know that name, that's uh. That's okay, um, but you've definitely seen a stack of chi- a stack of stuff that this chick has done. She has done Defenders. She was involved in the Defenders. She was involved in Jessica Jones. She was involved in um, uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, what else? Stuff, what am missing? Dexter. She's got a, a Fates very
1: motel. So she's done TV. A
0: storied TV career. Story TV. Yeah. Yes, and so this one, the fourth movie with Hemsworth, is coming but there's actually another one that JJ Abrams is is wanting to make based off of a story idea from Quentin Tarantino which is whoa bananas
1: that's insane
0: yes um so it's it would come after this fourth movie so this fourth movie in this new timeline is actually a throwback it's going back to the to the uh Chris Pine's father um but you know this is where there's a little bit of sort of time travel ploy happening um along the way so really really Cool stuff, and cool that a chick's got the gig. It's awesome,
1: so awesome! Like, God, I can't believe it's taken them that long. Considering they were such pioneers, and like you know, having a diverse crew and all of that. I
0: think, look, if you look at the television shows, pound for pound, I'm sure they've they're littered with people of color. Um, you know, the casts have always been like that. Exactly. I'm sure it's been written and, and and but it's, you know, features are a different animal, mm. and it's like these, uh, you know, even JJ himself. Um, as a it seems that these cult of personality directors that come around end up getting the Guernsey and I don't know about the original Star Trek series as much because I'm not as big a fan I'm not as close to it but you know there was a lot of jockeying for who would direct you know the, the this latest Star Trek film and it was actually Robert Orkey who jumped off. Um, the third star trek beyond film mm. and then it was Justin Lin i believe who came in yes. uh, on a on a script that was written co-written by Simon Pegg so you know Justin Lin great another person of color in the in in the saddle Absolutely. phenomenal and Justin great Lin great at action films and an accomplished action director <laughs> yeah, to say the least um but yeah i, I it's it's just good it's like it, it's so good that the name was in the hat like name was in the hat you know for people to choose from so you know previously to be like I just remember it's just, it's cool. Like, it's cool the natural evolution of this stuff, right? Because, yeah. you know, even 10 years ago, even geeks who are big geeks and into diversity and stuff, if I said, oh, who are the top five people just from, and this is just from familiarity, who are the top five people to a, even a geek girl? That you would want to direct a Star Trek film, they'd probably rattle off five dudes, five white dudes, names to direct it, or yeah, five. Yeah, it just whi- Sweden at just, the top. Just, just Sweden, just Sweden. It was
1: just Sweden because that was me ten years ago. Joss yeah. <laughs> and, and
0: and that's totally fine. Like, I but think, we didn't
1: know any better because we didn't see them getting exposed to no. that, and now it's like, oh my god, they're all there. They're just there. The, they're there. They're there in the wings, just waiting for the right opportunity to come around. Yeah,
0: and there's a lot of and like what you don't realize is like there's so much content going right now, and there's. So many women who have long and storied careers just being bit players, being directors across a whole variety of television shows. And what's really incredible, um, there's a famous director named James Gray. He's made like a slew of films that I could, you know, like such as The Immigrant, um, Lost City of Z was his most recent one. But he talked about like film craft and like how... John Ford, like, the famous um, Western director, directed, like, 80 movies. Mm. And by the time you're making your 80th movie, you really know what you're doing. (laughs)
1: You'd like to think after your 80th movie, wouldn't you? Yeah,
0: and it's like Spielberg, you know, people talk about just, like, his craft. And I think that there are some real crafts women and crafts people of color and, like, craftsmen who, who have such long careers directing a whole stack of different stuff on TV now and content that... It's just like, it just so makes sense for them to start getting a Guernsey and making features because, like, you know, they, they then are responsible for the whole ship as opposed to just coming in and doing, you know, short bursts of it.
1: Yeah, because I'm really interested to see what she does, S.J. Clarkson, especially because, as you mentioned, she is a, t- a story TV um, filmmaker in a way. And now the way that TV's changed and that they're pretty much mini features. Her episode these days, yeah, it costs
0: less to make it look like that. Yeah, make it make it look good.
1: Yeah, but uh, they're quintessentially in a way they are little films. But I
0: but I hope I hope, and this is what's a challenge with Star Trek as well. Is mm-hmm. it, I hope they can make that. And this is what the cool thing about Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond is a singular entity as much as it's part of that series. And that's when it really shines when it's just a story and it tells its own thing. And I think that. Um, you know, because they've got the stability, they're not like the Marvel Universe which is jumping off into different characters and then trying to bring them all back together. Um, they're, sing, you know, this singular crew, or they focus on a crew at a time, so you can tell cool stories about that crew and time travel stories and whatever they're going to do. But I just really hope she tells, you know, she can tell that focus story. And i really like to see her flex her chops in a feature because also with um, a lot of directors who film for TV, they follow the template. So, Mm. like, again, I'm going to mention Friday Night Lights again because suck it up, okay? (laughs) Suck it up. Um, Go binge it. (laughs) um, Binging it, right? Um, Peter Berg, who is one of the executive producers of that show, comes in on the pilot, directs one of the best pilots ever made, but basically sets the template for how that show needs to be shot forever. So any filmmaker that comes into that show has to use his three cameras, has to use the organic shooting, and they kind of come in and they adopt the style of the show. Mm. They don't get to be their own style. It's going to be awesome to see S.J. Clarkson filming a movie the way that she wants to shoot it and have that control because, you know, filming a show like Orange is the New Black, maybe Jess Jones, a little bit more flex on Netflix. I don't know yeah. what that how they get lauded over, but you do get stuck in a corridor. You get stuck at a space. You get stuck in a look or whatever of a show that has to be sure. maintained. So cool for her to get that big Guernsey and awesome for her to then be able to go, I want to tell this story the way I want to tell it. So awesome.
1: Yeah, they just need to chuck a marvel and do what they do with Tyker. Do whatever you want, buddy. <laughs> yeah, do whatever <laughs> you want. Yeah. yeah, let's hope We you trust you. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I don't know about her as a writer, but like Tyker okay. as a, Tiger's about tone as much as he's about mm. anything. So he's really different,
1: but like, yeah. Do you love that I still managed to bring it back to Tyker? <laughs> I know. Do
0: you want to play it? Just play the grab. You want to, you want to play it. It's not a gaggle of geeks episode if we don't play the Tiger grab. I'm sorry, I'm not JJ J. Abrams. They say, ah, oh, Tiger, we wish we called you JJ J. Abrams.
1: Look, it makes sense. His parents about wanted about... him JJ J. Abrams.
0: <laughs> We're talking about Star Trek. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where it's at.
1: Awesome. Blake, this is weird. I can't end on this note. You haven't ranted.
0: I know, I haven't ranted.
1: I mean, you sh- did a giant spiel on Infinity War, but you haven't ranted.
0: No, I haven't ranted. I'll try. Okay, look, I'm trying to hold back. I so <laughs> So all, all I'm gonna say is, and I sort of, I was trying to be measured about it, but I'll just say, like people who criticise the Marvel movies, mm. and I'm not a fucking Disney shill. First, dum dums out there who think that
1: we ain't getting paid, I ain't getting
0: paid shit. And if I was getting paid, <laughs> we I, do
1: this because we love this. <laughs> if
0: I was getting paid, I probably wouldn't be getting paid anymore because I couldn't lie. I've got too much integrity to do that shit. All I would say is. Um, I don't I don't think that criticising the Marvel movies is wrong. In fact, go and read a couple of my reviews of the recent Marvel movies and you might see that the, the criticism is We didn't is there. like
1: Doctor Strange. Did, we didn't like Civil War.
0: Didn't like Civil War. Didn't like Doctor Strange. Didn't like Ant-Man. There's plenty of them that I don't like. Um, and there's some of them that are just...
1: See, I will say I liked oh. Ant-Man because of Michael Peña.
0: <laughs> yeah, two scenes of Michael <laughs> Peña maketh not a movie, So Okay? I would watch those any day of the week. But all I'll say is... You can't. You have to know what the fuck you're t- talking about, and this is the only frustrating thing that I have. Is like, you just as a critic, and you know, going from Roger Ebert, who's my hero, or mm. my other the my, the greatest living critic, Manola Dargis, um, for the New York Times chief film critic, who is amazing, and I've had the pleasure of talking to, her, and she's a freaking jam, um those kind of critics at least do the job of being able to contextualise what Marvel have attempted to do and their ambition and what what they're trying to achieve. And also, exactly as we've said before, that they're making sort of episodic cinema. And, and and trying to do what comic books do and cross-pollinate and understand that that's what they do. They bring these team-ups together to usually introduce new characters and, and, and spawn new world and new interest into their into their franchise.
1: And they've done it in a way that has worked. They, yes. They've spawned into like new TV franchises. Yeah. Like with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now they're doing it with Runaways and a lot of new other things. And DC have tried. Yeah. And they're not going as great. No, they're not going as great. But... If you,
0: to, my frustration in this, un, there's two frustrations. One is you can, if you're going in to this thing that has context, you have to understand that it has context and therefore that's a limitation. So when you're criticizing it, you have to know that Marvel also know that it's a limitation <laughs> that, yes, they're trying to tell a story. Yes. They're trying to like make it so that someone who's never seen any of the films could watch it, but also they're kind of fucksville because they can't do that because it's 19 films in. There are certain films you probably should have seen before you see this, at least all the Avengers and probably, you know, black Panther, Thor Ragnarok, you know, civil mm. war. You have to have probably seen all of those and then blah, there you go. Um, But, but, I just hate when people are trying to criticise it, and there's fucking heaps to criticise, actively and correctly, but I really hate when people are like, oh, this movie doesn't tell a story, you only get a t- certain time with characters. It's like, yes, of course, a fucking team-up movie. There are 76 characters, and out of that 76, about 11 of them had their own movies. We know all these people. They've had hours yeah. and hours and hours in front of us. And
1: this was... The core character is Thanos.
0: Yes. It is
1: his story. <laughs> it's his
0: story. Everyone else is supporting. Yeah. Everyone else is supporting.
1: Because you've already seen all their stories <laughs> and their own solos.
0: <laughs> and so what's really frustrating is just when people don't at least acknowledge that. Mm. it's And that that's so super frustrating. So... You can criticise the Russo's direction. You can criticise the pacing of the Marvel movies because, you know, I think they, they owe a fuckload to Joss Whedon and the template that he set, with that original Avengers film, around how to balance levity mm-hmm. with drama um, and characterization and story because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen, a lot of exposition, and to balance, you know, being clever as well as being funny as well as being light, as being emotional. And so when I fucking hear people be super dismissive of it, I'm just like, don't be dumb. Okay, don't be fucking stupid. This, it, if You just need to know that it's 19 movies in. You can totally say that Black Panther's better because it's telling a more singular story and that's what you prefer, and you're right. You're not wrong. But they're telling a story about one character and one character's origin and one character's villain and one character's context. They're not trying to meld and do something extremely ambitious. And then the next thing is, also, you kind of got to surrender to the experience and know, yes and this is like even in the more spoiler territory which we're going to have to go down but some people have like already spoiled the what like the stakes of it they've already sort of like cut it down to size and saying that it's not as ambitious as it's actually being and i'm just like you don't know that. You've got to go on the ride. This is the ride.
1: This is the ride. And if they want to talk stakes, and they're like, Cut, like Civil War is the greatest thing ever, and I'm like, get back in your box. <laughs> get back in your box. <laughs> get back in your damn box. <laughs> and, and so, my thing
0: is, and this is like, I'm never usually for Marvel. I don't know what the fuck's going on. But all I would say is, <laughs> all, all I would say is, you just have to be. You have to understand that this is the context of this. It's like, it would be like. I'm going back to Friday Night Lights, but no, I'm just let's <laughs> say Buffy. It would be like watching season three of Buffy, one episode of it, and then criticizing the show deeply about being a TV show and you not fully understanding where you're at. You just have to understand that that's the mode of delivery. Now, do you think that single two-hour movies are better because they tell singular stories, or like even something like The Godfather, which tells like a three-hour story? There's some ones that go longer than two hours, mm. but if you're like a fan. A cinephile who is a fan of the sanctity of a two-hour singular story—that's telling that—then you're not going to fucking like this movie when you walk See, in the door.
1: I think different because I think this was a singular story. It is a story about Thanos, as I just mentioned, and like my sister-in-law saw it with my brother. She forgets what she's seen. She has <laughs> no clue what she's seen. She's like, she'll actually literally ask him, like, have we seen this one?" Yeah. <laughs> and then watch half the hours, like maybe. I can't remember. Yeah. She has no clue what's going on. She came back home and she's like, I really liked it. She does not know what's going on. She has not seen, Look, like, a, she's probably seen probably five out uh, of that. Uh, and so she still follows. That's
0: that's the admirable bit. At least the core story does that. And so that's, you know, that's that's fair. Some people might like it. But, but so much of the story relies on at least you having some context about the characters is all I'm saying. But you can still enjoy it. But you can't say... Oh, I hate this movie for doing the thing that it was always going to do because it's a team up movie in the context of 19 movies. You can't say that. You can't say it because you're just stupid. It's a non-argument. If you say I don't like the team up movies because, and you've got much better reasoning about why you don't like it, that's fine. But you can't, you can't judge. Well, you can judge it on the criterion of a movie, but you can't judge it without context. Every movie has a context that's trying to tell a story, mm-hmm. and this is telling a story that's part and intertwined not only with another story that's coming next year but with 19 other stories they've already told. So that's Marvel's problem. They're either going to tell a story that you like in the context of everything, especially with these Avengers team-up movies. You're not going to fucking like it. And so don't... You people can Obviously, you can do whatever you want. I give a shit. Yeah, um, do whatever
1: you If you don't like them, just don't watch any of the Avengers movies. Because and, and, that that will solve your problem. And if you
0: don't like the team-up movies, don't watch them. It's like, I don't mm. like the X-Men. I find the X-Men team-up movies after the first two Brian Singers, I hate them. But I really like Deadpool, and I really like the Wolverine, mm. um, and then I really, obviously, ad- we both adored Logan. And mm-hmm. it's the same as like, I, it, it, I know they haven't sort of interconnected in the same way. But if you look at the, like, I'm much more likely to watch a Matt Reeves Batman before I would ever watch a Justice League again. No offense <laughs> to Gal Gadot, but like, you know, you can find. Sorry, she it, couldn't even save that if, movie. If, if, you, if you don't like a team up movie, then you, yeah. you then you then if you don't like a team up movie, you're gonna like because certain characters aren't gonna get enough time or you're not gonna get that focus, you kinda know what it says on the tin. So I think if you see Avengers Infinity War, on the tin, it's a team up movie. And you have ca- you
1: seen that damn poster? Yeah,
0: there's a lot of people on it. And that's s-
1: what you're expecting in this movie. <laughs> and so you
0: kinda have to cool your jets if you if you hate a team up movie and you walk in and criticize it for being a team up movie, you're a dummy because you just paid a ticket for a team up movie. So I guess that's sort of semi-ranty because in a lot of the criticism I've seen of Civil War and, oh, sorry, of, of Infinity War, rather, there is definitely things to criticise. I don't think... That, I personally don't like the way that Russo's direct, like, action. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't... I, it's, it's not... It's, I, I, I just don't like the way that they do action. I don't necessarily like some of their staging and I don't know whether it's the director of photography or whatever. I don't... It's not... None of what they're doing is very visually interesting as far as the staging and I think you've got so many opportunities like there's so many opportunities to have really cool characters like um, there's an amazing Steven Spielberg movie called Munich and it's about a team of Um, Jewish spies who have been planted in Europe to kill terrorists. And there are so many great moments where those guys are just talking, but the way that the camera is placed in the scene, there's these really dynamic staging of actors in space. And so you see them. And there's so many opportunities to do that in this movie, I don't think I did it well. No,
1: I'm with you there because when when you sometimes watch scenes and when they're really good, you gasp or you... You, you react.
0: There's there's a symmetry, or there's something that's innately happening yeah. in the way that you're watching. And you're like, there is something. There's angles happening. They're creating yeah. shapes. It's really dynamic. That this movie doesn't have a, as much of that.
1: No,
0: but and so that's the stuff that I want to. That's the stuff I want to read in people's criticism of the film. I want to read them really critiquing the filmmaking craft or the formal qualities or. You know, I don't think the Russos are good with music. That's one thing I really, really detested in Civil War. There was no music whatsoever, and there was one bit that had life, and it was when we got introduced to Spidey, and there was that great, like spidey moment where the music's pumping and I, so I didn't like it. Also, and I don't like their giant intertitles. They're so silly. Like 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 could your font be bigger? Like <laughs> s- calm yourselves, right? We're talking about funnels. It yeah, has to be the uh,
1: biggest uh, the, of the big. I know, at least meme. make
0: it purple font. But you know what I mean? Uh, like um but, but yeah.
1: it was funny because when I was watching the um the credits, only two songs were listed. Yeah, two and songs. I was like whoa, really? Yes. Just two. And and so And the rest was just all score.
0: And so When all is said and done, when all is said and done, rather, um, you know, when all said and done, there's so many things that you could very capably criticise, and I think it's such a fucking low hanging fruit to criticise. Oh, there's so many characters. Guess what? My favourite film has like seven, more than seventy speaking roles, seventy, and all those characters have a job to do. Not every person is the lead character not every person is the co-lead character not every person is part of the main ensemble they can just be you know as in heat a really shitty diner operator owner who exploits an ex-con and they can be extremely memorable and they can be powerful and you can you can quote their lines you know them they're in two scenes of the entire movie that's okay it's just that these characters are known so that it gets more criticism stop with the low hanging fruit bullshit like start talking about form like and start talking about staging and start talking about film criticism, start talking about the music, start talking about the performances and start talking about h- how these directors wield these characters and do they use them well and and then talk about if, if you think that they got the concept of the character the way that you had it, like, do I think that Chadwick has ever been better, you know, I think that these guys got Chadwick really well. They conceived him really well in Civil War. He's the best thing in that. And then he got carried through. And then I felt like he went into reserve gear, like in this movie, because... He was part of an ensemble and had to do it. So, criticize that. So, yeah, I guess that's my only frustration with some of the, the more lofty criticisms of the movie, that it's bombastic, that, it's like, of course, you know, these are obvious things. Stop being so blatant.
1: See, when I say bombastic, I'm like, it's huge. Huge.
0: <laughs> huge. But, yeah, so I guess that's sort of semi-ranty about the low-hanging fruit. So, like, so much to criticize in every film, and no film is perfect. It's only really perfect for the person that's watching it. But I had a really good time with this movie. And I also, probably subjectively, I favor boldness more than execution sometimes. And execution can be lumpy. It can not quite be there. But if you're bold in what you're willing to attempt to execute and it even closer comes off, I much more uh, find myself attracted to those films and filmmakers if they're bold. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Civil War felt like these guys... The Rossos and, and, and uh, Marcus and Feely just like putting it in neutral, like they just didn't they, it it, it didn't, went, go didn't go anywhere hard. Didn't go anywhere. They didn't go hard in the paint, and this movie they went hard they tried to do something they had a whole movie where most of it is a massive purple dude looking for a couple of pieces of jewelry like and and and, and that is
1: the synopsis <laughs> in one line and it comes
0: off <laughs> and it comes off and it works um and so yeah i just think some of the low hanging fruit in in that criticism and there's plenty of plenty to be criticized but you know i, I think some of that low hanging fruit is just like it's just obvious stop stop
1: rant over <laughs> I should just make you a sting for your rant. Rant? <laughs> <I> <laughs> <rats>! <laughs> like, you know, like a dinosaur. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that was semi-ranty. Yeah. A bit sweary and ranty. But, re- <laughs> but, but yeah, I just, uh, there's nothing worse than low-hanging fruit with that sort of stuff. It's just yeah. repetitive.
1: And, you know, opening weekend. Not all of you have seen it yet. Just wait. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I just think there's, um. <laughs> let's finish on this note. Yeah. In Australia, a morning TV host, Carl Stefanovic, bitched about um, The Avengers being released on Anzac Day, which, if you're listening overseas, is sort of an Australian Memorial Day. Yeah, if you're from the it's United States, or Remembrance Day, or Remembrance Day, if you're in the U- in Europe, in Europe, so it's like a remem- remembrance day. We still have Remembrance Day, but this is kind of an Australian Remembrance Day um, that originally started as a commemoration of one of like the worst losses in uh, Australia, oh, that worst Zealand battle in military history, yeah, um, one of our worst tragedies. But then it's sort of become about recognizing um individual co- and you know individual and group contribution to military efforts from all conflicts um you know every conflict that australia's been involved in including current military service but particularly world War one and two in vietnam etc and so avengers released because we have a public holiday in australia on that day because it just so happens to fall on a public holiday um a memorial day and there are definitely movies that open in the states and went on this massive tirade and rant about um <laughs> about how it shouldn't be released, and it was insensitive of Disney to release it. And then a couple of days, actually on the day of Anzac Day, they, on this same show, had yeah. a terrible competition called Cash Cow.
1: Oh, God, it's, that cow needs to die whatever, a violent death. Whatever it is. Anyway, and I so, love cows, but God, that cow in particular.
0: And apparently <laughs> doing a giveaway of that size on that day is actually illegal on Anzac <laughs> Day.
1: Oh, Australian, you are. Because they're like, Disney's trying to make money. And think, like, oh, look at you, you're doing. And, and also, like, they have released movies in the past on Anzac Day. Yeah. Like, Captain America, if I'm not...
0: Yeah, I think this is the... This America is, was released. The and, Winter Soldier... Yeah. Like, I know it sounds so funny because Marvel movies now just seems like they're omnipresent and they're everywhere. But, like, it was a really revolutionary when Captain America the Winter Soldier came out in March. Mm-hmm. And... And then this was the Avengers one slot, like, mm. came out around this time. Um, and, and you know, so uh, Disney has started to take over your entire calendar. But, yeah, it's pretty revolutionary. We've yeah. done – it's happened in Australia multiple times that Avengers movies have come out on this day.
1: Yeah. It's not new. It's happened. They make buck. People are happy because they're not at the pub getting pissed. <laughs> they're just geeking out <laughs> in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> because
0: usually, what happens if you're not from Australia is you go to a dawn service, which is usually very beautiful and and very somber affair, and you get to sort of be there and and uh, commemorate, you know, lives uh, contributed, you know, basically heroes over any conflict. Mm-hmm. But often, then, what happens is you get permission to sort of start drinking by about eight a.m. in the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, because all the pubs will be open, because you know, and the RSLs and right? the RSLs. And then it's the only one day you can actually play two up, which is a gamble. <laughs> kind of what the diggers used to, do, what our army used to play yes. <laughs> in the trenches. In
0: the trenches. it was, it's, and, and it's only legal to play the game one day a year. So
1: everyone goes wild. Goes ape. Yeah. Goes ape gambling and drinking.
0: And um, most people were just cool to go see the Avengers instead.
1: And it's, you know what, that's totally
0: fine. And you gambled your money on whether Marvel would deliver. And they did.
1: And they did. (laughs) We'll leave it on that note, Blake. This has been Gaggle of Geeks on at 2SER. You can catch our shortened version on So Hot right now on Saturday mornings at 11am with me, Sophie.
0: And I'll be on there just very briefly, but this is the long ranty version of the show. So please subscribe, rate, and review. Again, as always, we love your feedback. So hit us up on the Twitter. Sophie is at Sophie underscore lie. And I'm at Blake is Batman or always at 2SER.
1: Send us your love. We're also on Facebook. Look up to SER. Look up on the Facebook. It's <laughs> the next time.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.